When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maryland sports fans, there's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Longshot's Off-Track Betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. your boy Shaka Cummings, along with my partner in crime, Parker Ainsworth. Welcome to FN Sports, the podcast with two teachers grade sports' biggest issues. Parker, as we record on a Monday morning, how was your weekend, sir? It was a pretty low-key, laid-back July 4th weekend. Not a whole lot of celebrating in COVID summer, but you know, it was, it was, it was good to have an extra day off, watch a little Hamilton, uh, highly recommend. I don't know how many how many times did you watch Hamilton this weekend, Mister Cummings. I only watched it once. Um, I saw it live when it was in Dallas, and then what Parker knows about me is that back when Spotify, it was the craze of everyone posting all the songs that they listened to over the year <laughs> on New Year's. All my recommendations were Hamilton songs, so I really do enjoy the musical quite a bit. But I only watched it once. I did see the barbecue that you had, which was pretty amazing. Like, I was a little bit jealous, and we were actually cooking <laughs> ribs. Like, we were cooking ribs at the house, and I was still jealous of the barbecue that you had. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, you, you made yours. I had to go pick mine up somewhere, but it was very, very good. I, will say. I still got some leftovers in the fridge, actually. It's very, very good. Okay, so I'll be over for dinner in about eight hours. Um, <laughs> uh, so let's talk uh, gold stars and detentions. My first gold star goes to Zion Williamson for... Both being in incredible shape after this layoff from the NBA. I don't know if you saw the picture that went circulating this weekend, but uh, Zion looks jacked. He might weigh <laughs> he might still weigh two seventy five or whatever he weighed before, but it is a very different looking two hundred seventy five pounds. Talked about how he and his stepfather did a lot of working out over break. Uh, they said they were in the gym quote every day. So if that's the case, shout out to him for finding a gym to be in every day. I guess most gyms wouldn't kick out Zion though if he came knocking. <laughs> Um, like who's gonna be the dude to walk up to Zion and go, you, I'm sorry, Mister Six Foot Nine, Two Hundred and Seventy Pound Man, you have to leave, and he's well, ripped. <laughs> and no one's telling that guy, especially now with all the muscles he's got going on. Uh, but the Bane mask or the mask across his face, as if he was Bane, <laughs> was 
quite quite an extra touch. So well played, Zion Williamson, Gold Star. Uh, Gold Star to Maya Moore. Her story has kind of been out there. So just briefly, she has given up her WNBA career for the last couple of years to work on an initiative. There was a man in prison who shouldn't have been there. She believed, based on the story and all the information he had, that he shouldn't have been there. And she dedicated her life to making sure that he's freed. This weekend, or I guess last week, finally, justice was served. And so all the pictures of Maya Moore on the internet at the prison, embracing, and of course, she does all the morning shows. It was an incredible story. So go start a Maya Moore. Uh, that's bigger than basketball, obviously. More than an athlete. All good. So I got a question, Shaga. We had a bunch of... If you were on Twitter last week, you had to have seen that like they released day by day like a bajillion 2K21 covers for the upcoming video game. Yeah, absolutely. What's, what's it going to take to get Maya Moore on the cover of what <laughs> what what else? She was the best women's basketball player of all time, or at least of like this generation of women's basketball. I mean, it's arguable, but it's it's fair. And she drops out in the middle of her career to do something like you said, bigger than basketball. Meanwhile, we have like eighteen two K twenty one covers, and women are in the game. What's it going to take more <laughs> on a two K twenty one cover? And I want her on the two K cover in the gray sweats with the white T shirt outside the prison, because like to me, that's the Sydney Tremire Moore moment. All the championships that she has, Connecticut and in the WNBA, like that's her signature moment. I'm going off cuff detention on that one to two K twenty. Too many covers. For <laughs> we need one one my more cover. I don't even care if it's the sweats or. In her uniform. I just want one 2K21 Maya Moore cover. No, that's fair. That kind of leads me into my next gold star, which is I was going to gold star 2K21 for the Kobe covers. Now I'm like, oh, <laughs> do I need to gold star them? Um, but no, the um, the Kobe covers are awesome. Like, I'm with you. Like, maybe Maya Moore instead of Damian Lillard, I'd be okay with that. Or even Vince Carter. Uh, but the, the Kobe covers for the – they always do a Legends edition. Like, in 2K20, uh, Dwayne Wade was on the cover for the Legends edition. And so, uh, obviously, they decided to do two different uh, 2K21 covers with Kobe Bryant. Uh, They have him both the 8 and the 24. And so, obviously, I think that that's really cool. So, gold star to them for that. Although, obviously, they dropped the ball on Maya Moore. (laughs) My last gold star slash attention while I'm mucking up the segment today um, (laughs) is I'm going to give the New England Patriots a gold star. And myself a gold star for calling <laughs> Cam Newton to the Patriots back on our episode of FN Sports on March 30th. You can go back and listen. I, I think it's, you know, Josh McDaniels, if you, you follow the trends, he did well with Tim Tebow in Denver. And he wanted Lamar Jackson a couple of years back. I think he's got some ideas up his sleeve about how to do this. They did some tight, they drafted some tight ends and are looking to like stay in this, this realm of Cam Newton world. Also, shout out to like getting it in the press exactly five minutes before the story about them cheating came out again. <laughs> uh, we certainly don't hear a whole lot about that right now. Um, and then I'm also going to somewhat sideswipe and give a small detention to my co-host here, Shaka, for having given them a B- minus a couple weeks back, was that a couple months back, for the idea of Cam Newton in New England. Said a B- minus, a one sure how the X's nose fit. And I believe you said it was just a B minus and not lower because Cam Newton's really good. Like you actually thought that the fit was that bad, but it's Cam, so maybe something will work out. Yeah, and I'm still not sure 
if it will, <laughs> but I'm, I'm hopeful <laughs> because, again, Cam is such an incredible talent. Uh, I am surprised that the Patriots went down that road. Uh, but let me just say this. That was the most self-serving gold star in the history of FN Sports right there. <laughs> the most self-serving gold star in the history of FN Sports. I want to uh, give a gold star to Mo Bamba, who is the center for the Orlando Magic. And Parker Hitchens is going to love this, former University of Texas uh, basketball player. Mo Bamba is partnering with local organizations around uh, voting rights and equity in the community of Orlando and the Magic are supporting him in that endeavor. And so I saw some of those tweets that came out this weekend. I was like, Mo Bamba, okay. Like, he's more than just a song, guys. Like, he's <laughs> he's more than an athlete, just like uh, Maya Moore. <laughs> so that's incredible. Great job, Mo. I want to throw a detention in here as well. I'm going to detention Rob Manfred. And I'm detentioning the commissioner of Major League Baseball because he went on Dan Patrick's show last week and said, regardless of anything that was going to happen in terms of negotiations, there was no way that we were going to have more than 60 baseball games this year. Like, that was the number. Why do the negotiations then if you're not going to give on the 60 games number? Like, why not just let baseball players know that that's the number? We're not doing anything different. Uh, I mean, Trevor Bauer came out and said this. He's like, they're going to come out and... He's going to say, like, oh, I, can't, I don't know if we're even going to have baseball this year, but then they're going to find a way to do 50, 55 games at the most. So now they're doing 60. There was ne- they were always going to do 60. Like, you just let baseball drag their name through the mud. And why? Rob Manfred, between the Houston Astros, the Boston Red Sox, calling the trophy a piece of metal, his handling of all of this stuff, like, his job really has to be in question at this point, in my mind. So detention to Rob Manfred. We're going to go ahead and jump into the pod. We got some awesome thesis statements that we're going to take on. We're going to talk about teams that are changing their names in this current uh, climate of sports. We're also going to talk about the NBA and their bubble city. Except we talked about the one in Orlando. Now we're going to talk about the one that they're potentially going to do in Chicago. And then we will wrap up with a conversation around the potential for the cancellation of the NFL's preseason Hall of Fame game to impact the NFL 2020 season. So, without further ado, Mr. Ainsworth, are you ready to go, sir? Ready when you are, Shaka. Okay, Mr. Cummings, our first thesis for this week actually was a big story at the end of last week and into the weekend, and it looks like it may be a big story the next couple days. Surrounded the Washington Redskins, we've talked a lot about you know, pro sports teams and their names. And so this week's thesis is teams should seriously review and consider changing their name when protests are raised questioning their mascot. What would you grade that thesis as? This thesis is fairly broad. And even with its fairly broad nature, I think I'm still going to go in the B range. I think I'll go B minus though. So what do you think, Mr. Ainsworth? I, I, I laugh because I think we're actually in a very similar boat. I was like, even as broad as it is, it makes me feel like, anyway, maybe it's just the culture climate we're in right now, but I'm thinking B or B-plus as well. I'll go B-plus to just be a little different, but I, I really think it's a pretty high-scoring thesis. Okay, Mr. Cummings, so we both settled into the B-range on this thesis. Uh, team should seriously review and consider changing their names when, ma- when protests are raised questioning their mascot. So I know, obviously, in the last few days, it's been very heavy on everyone's mind because of what we're seeing happen in Washington, D.C. First of all, what made you think it was a great thesis, and what gave you any pause, if at all? Yeah, let's start with both Parker and I are going to 
agree, which is when you get into this space of conversation around mascots that are based on ethnicity, racial characteristics, like there's no reason to have them. Like, let's get rid of those. There's no reason to get into this realm where you could potentially be looked at as dehumanizing a group of people because of the name that you want to attach to your sports team. To put it all out there, Parker and I have been doing research for a couple of stories that we've been writing for Belly Up. And one of the stories <laughs> that makes me lose my mind is the history behind Cleveland, their baseball team, and their name. Once upon a time, <laughs> Cleveland was named after Nap Lajue, a baseball player on the team. And they were called the Cleveland Naps. And then he leaves, and the ownership says, hey, well, I don't know what the name's going to be. Let's put it out there. Let's see what names people now, can come up with. To, to be fair, Shaka, had, without context, the Cleveland Naps would also be a problematic name. Oh, absolutely. No, when I first read that, I stood up like I was ready to punch my computer. Uh, but then I got the story. <laughs> and then as a black man, I calmed myself down and set that down. Um, the, they put the name out there, the, the opportunity to name, and the writers came up with the name Indians. And then the newspapers followed with like these racist caricatures and these uh, very racially insensitive jokes. And at the time... Cleveland actually had an indigenous ball player on the squad. So they would use him in these racist caricatures. And it's like, don't talk to me about naming conventions that are supposed to honor the Native Americans, the indigenous peoples of this country. Because those naming conventions don't do that. And the research consistently tells us that. Now, what happens is, People will go and cite these polls that have been conducted. And anytime you look at the polls, you'll find that there's fallacies in the way that the polls were created. So if you are interested, check out our article on Belly Up Sports on the Washington football franchise, where I actually cite some of the research that's already been done. The University of California at Berkeley actually did research back in 2016 and they actually spoke to people who were heavily involved in tribal culture, people who truly are indigenous and Native Americans, that rather than like these internet polls where people will self-identify as Native American. You have no idea who that person is. And when they asked these people who were heavily involved in tribal culture, is the name of the Washington football team offensive? They were like, yeah. Two-thirds of the people said that it was. So, like, why don't we listen to the people who are being impacted by this, right? There's a study that's been done on how indigenous people view themselves based on pop cultural references. And this study was done back in 2005 through the University of Nebraska. Once again, I've, that research is in the article that we wrote for the Washington football team. Go look it up. And they will tell you that these uh, polls that come out are full of fallacies because you don't know who's actually answering these things. Like, you would actually go to a reservation and talk to people. So why wouldn't you do that to get the real response versus kind of these polls that are done where you don't know 
who's going to be responding on the other end. People who kind of get into this whole mindset of the name is supposed to honor. Like, if you really want to honor indigenous people, give money to reservations and to indigenous schools and hire indigenous peoples to be managers and front office people. Don't tell me that the name is supposed to honor them, right? Because that's that's ridiculous. And if that truly is what you believe, then go name the team the uh, Caucasian colonists or something like that. Because that, if that's what you really believe, then that should be the name, right? Because it honors. Do you remember? Do you remember the Bomani Jones shirt he wore on? Was it part of the, Was it part of the question or highly questionable? One time he wore a, 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 a like Caucasian shirt, but it was like scripted to look just like the Cleveland Indians. Logo. Yeah, I do remember that. Like, I mean, <laughs> that was <laughs> like a, that was a big story at the time. Yeah, I, but that's that's the irony, right? The name's supposed to honor, but then we don't honor except for Notre Dame. But I don't think y'all ready for that conversation because we can have that one too. Like, I'm willing to have it if folks are. Anyway. Parker and I both recognize and both are of similar mindset. That if you got these Native uh, American mascots where you're dehumanizing an ethnicity and a group of people to kind of put a mascot on your sports team, yeah, we need to get rid of that. This is 2020. That ain't cool. So, I mean, obviously, people are not mascots, right? Like, living, breathing human beings are not supposed to be mascots or caricatures for your sports teams. There are, frankly, lots of more clever things to go with. You know, for those that, you know, are new to the pod or whatever, we really are both teachers, and one of the more arduous or uncomfortable than whatever phone calls I've ever had was one time I assigned you actually there were options on the letter but you either wrote a letter to Dan Snyder asking him to change his football team's name or you wrote a letter to the city of Washington DC's mayor at the time because the city of DC actually does not let the team play inside the city limits that's why they don't play in the city anymore and to kind of wrap up a unit in fifth grade history, we like wrote these letters and had them sent out. And this one dad was really concerned that I was forcing his kid to write a letter to Dan Snyder. And da, da, da. And then I very quickly was like, actually, your son had options and he chose to write to Dan Snyder as opposed to the mayor of D.C. People that wrote to D.C., I did have a couple of kids that were saying, you know, oh, it's a way to keep the memory alive, or whatever, like very cliche arguments. Trying to like let kids have options, right? Then the dad just proceeded to have a 30-minute conversation with me about how that was the correct argument. And I was like, no, listen, you're, you're not, you're not going to change my mind, and you're not gonna, I'm not going to budge on this. I gave your kid's option, and your kid has a heart and picked the right option. Like, I don't, I don't know what you want me to tell you. Um, so you're raising a this, kid with empathy, you son of a gun. Yeah, like this is, this is a real, you know, a thing that we touch on a lot as two history teachers. I would also say that it's interesting because the way the thesis is written, this is not just about Washington's pro football team or even the Cleveland baseball team or, or even the Florida State Seminoles or, or the South Dakota Sioux. It's the way it's written, you could look at it as every mascot. And I think, you know, you and I are history teachers. We could sit here and talk about how the Mississippi Rebels and Colonel Rev are are kind of a problematic mascot as well. Like, we be, we're talking about taking down Confederate statues across the country and this, that, and the other. And these mascots are all over T-shirts. Do we burn those up? <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> the, you have the UNLV Rebels as well, which makes me question more because, like, what, Nevada wasn't isn't isn't still in the South. I, I don't understand that one. <laughs> yeah, like um, as history teachers, we know that Nevada was not a part of the Confederacy. So it's like, like huh? Like, what were you rebelling? Um, I, so I, <laughs> So there's there's lots of problematic math. So you're gonna even get into if you want to talk about like Boomer Sooner in Oklahoma's kind of got a questionable past. Uh, there there's different ones across the country. I I think the the main thing is though is that this thesis asks if there are protests and people that have a problem with your mascot, should you change it? 
And like, I, I don't mean to be like that millennial new wave, whatever, but like, guess what? If your team name's offensive, it's way easier to tell your, you guys to change your team name, even with all the branding and marketing and so on that goes into that. That takes a little bit of creativity and some like dedication to a decent cause as opposed to telling people to just get over it. Like, that doesn't, that doesn't seem to be <laughs> equally weighted work to me. Like, being, oh, well, get over it. Like, no, like you get over it. You tell your marketing people we've had a bad name for a long time and times have changed. And um, it's so funny because we'll have a third color variant of new uh, stuff that'll come out, and they'll right. make buku bucks. You realize that if you change your mask and you change your name, all your stuff gets to be new. And then now your fan base has to buy all new stuff. Like, they go about all the money that's right. going to come in, but whatever. They're talking about like, oh, well, kids are trying to buy Chase Young jerseys and they can't find them on Nike's website. It's like, you know what? They're going to buy it no matter what color or logo is on it. <laughs> it doesn't matter. And then they can you can go back and resell the old Alex Smith or whoever else you can sell in Washington. Absolutely. There's a whole throwback yeah. market. So you can sell um, those. There you go. I, I, don't, I don't know what cur- other current players they are going to sell there because they're not very good. But maybe that's good. <laughs> uh, I, Anyway, I don't think this is that difficult an issue the reason i gave it a b plus i think and not like an a plus not a straight up a plus was that you're gonna run into if it's as broad as the thesis is right teams should consider should seriously review and consider change their names when protests are raised questioning their mascot like you can have some mascots that get changed just because people don't like the mascot like obviously we talked a little bit off pod about the washington bullets and people can to dc's violence and things like that and so they changed the washington wizards I maintain that the Bullets were one of the best team names going, and I, and I, I miss the Bullets, and I didn't think it was the most problematic mascot in Washington, so I don't know why it was the first one. <laughs> um, there's also just mascots that, you know, Texans going to change because people think that, oh, we should change that mascot to something more like the Astros and Rockets. Like, pro, just the vague term protest there as opposed to protesting injustice or protesting inhumanity or whatever, I think is why I didn't get quite give it an A+. I live in Dallas. The Texas Rangers have a pretty problematic history. If you want to look at like the actual law enforcement force, like like I I don't, I don't know, <laughs> are we gonna change the Texas Rangers? I, maybe, I, but it, I would need I would need to hear the argument, not just blanket protests means change. Um, Can we change it to like Texas Walker, Texas Rangers? Like without <laughs> then <laughs> right. it's honoring Chuck Norris, and obviously we should all honor Chuck. Um, no, uh, so that's where I go as well. Like my my issue, imagine someone who has problems with capitalism and they begin making these connections to capitalism and systemic racism. And now they want the New York Mets to change their name from the Metropolitans. Like it does feel like there's a line and I don't know exactly where the line is where you could have legitimate protests and what you're asking for feels disconnected. And I don't know, again, exactly where that line is, but that's where that's why I went B-minus as well, is because, okay, you could protest the name of the New York Jets because they used to be the New York Titans and maybe you like that name better, but that doesn't mean the Jets should necessarily change. And there, of course, are some that feel fairly obvious that, yeah, let's go ahead and change that. Um, the other reason why I went B-minus, you know, I'm cool with pro teams spending their money, colleges that are making billions of dollars off the backs of free labor, having to spend some of that money. When you get into some of these high schools, it can be a lot tougher for them. And it's not to say that they shouldn't change. If you have a high school Native American mascot at this point, please change. And I understand that that might take some time because the costs that are associated with 
doing things like changing names and end zones and repainting things and getting new jerseys for all the players. And I mean, in different school districts, we have different levels of wealth, right? Because you can go to Allen, Texas, and they've got a, what, a $40 million football stadium or something ridiculous. I feel, I feel a little bit of sympathy in that case. Yeah, I was going to say that the deal there is, is that they're not dealing with major college or even professional at all sport money, right? And then that's also different case by case because you have the small, small high schools that really, like, even if they said today, yeah, you're right, we need to change our name from, you know, this Native American mascot or from that uh, Civil War-related mascot or, or whatever it is, anything that's, you know, characterizing a group of people or could be used to intimidate a group of people, like, they could have all the best intentions, but it's going to take them years to do it, and it'll be slow because they just got to phase it out because they can't afford to do it all at once. I would still say it's worth starting that phase, though. I guess I guess that's I, I I don't know necessarily that I would say it can't be done. It just it's going to come in phases. Like a school that we play, their mascot, the school I work at, uh, plays against a school whose mascot was the Crusaders, and it was brought up to them that the Crusaders is a problematic mascot, and so. Like, within the first two years of that being brought up, they changed it to, like, the Highlanders or something. Like, a, like a, a horse-looking mascot. But, like, if you play their JV team, their JV team is wearing old varsity uniforms that has Crusaders on them still. Like, like it's, it's still being phased out. I don't know that that's necessarily a bad thing, because it's, it's not like you can erase the pictures off of your website from years ago either. Like, your, your, your history is your history. You need to own it a little bit. Yeah, I'm, I'm cool with having patience in the process. I just, you know, there's a recognition, just like you said. And keep in mind that the school that Parker is talking about is one that has a fair amount of money because it's an independent school. Like, I know it. Uh, but I understand just, yeah, I think that the B minus comes in that we might need to have some patience with levels that are not at the professional level or that aren't making billions of dollars. Right. Just a little bit of patience, I think, will go a long way in some of these conversations. Okay, Parker, so the thesis statement for this commercial is James Harden has the best beard in sports. What do you think about that thesis statement? Oh, I give it an A. You know, as a Houston guy, we, we seem to have an affinity for our beards between guys like him, Dallas Keiko, lots of big beards in the Houston area. Uh, what, do, what do you think about the thesis? So I'm a Jets fan, and I absolutely love the beard that Ryan Fitzpatrick has. So maybe I would give Ryan Fitzpatrick the nod over James Harden. But you're talking to a couple of bearded teachers, and we know a thing or two about making sure that you maintain that mane. So uh, check out the beard struggle. The beard struggle, they make oils, they make bombs, they even have this heated comb thing to make sure that you get your beard straight so that you're looking fresh. I know I've really enjoyed using the oil they make for my quarantine beard of sorts it's nice and long these days i'll <laughs> keep it nice and healthy and hydrated and if you're listening to our show you can use fn sports 15 and get 15 percent off your oils your bombs your uh, shampoos conditioners whatever you need to use to keep your beard looking healthy absolutely check out the beard struggle at thebeardstruggle.com whether you're just starting to grow or you have a luscious mane already. The Beard Struggle's got all the products that you need. The Beard Struggle. Feast your face. Mr. Ainsworth, our second thesis statement for the podcast. The NBA bubble city in Chicago is a good idea. I throw that at you, Mr. Ainsworth, and how do you grade that thesis statement? Pretty quick flunk. 
<laughs> I, got, like, I, I, like, I don't even... I, I didn't even have to think about it very hard. Very, very quick flunk. Okay, the player's not going to be eligible because I'm going to go D. But I do have <laughs> one thing to consider. Otherwise, I think we're going to agree quite a bit on this uh, particular issue. Mr. Ainsworth, out here flunking students. Uh, it is very rare that Mr. Ainsworth will give an F to a thesis statement. And so the NBA bubble city in Chicago is a good idea. That's the quickest F I've seen you give. You flunked that hard <laughs> and fast. So talk to me about why it's such a bad idea in your mind. Um, my initial tweet, I think, when I first saw this pop up as a you know Wojnarowski alert, alert or notification on Twitter was, this is getting to the point where it's unethical. Uh, I, I just so here's the, here's a couple thoughts I got. My initial thought is a if Chicago is a safer bubble city, let's do the real thing there and not do it <laughs> in Orlando. If you if you're not paying attention to coronavirus cases on the rise, or whatever you're staying inside and being your own hermit self, that's fine. Orlando is looking like it's one of the worst places to do this, if not the worst place to do this, as we're all about to start the NBA at the end of the month there. Um, so that's that's my first initial thought is like whoa 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 if Chicago is a safer option, let's send the 22 teams there and not just the eight that didn't make it. So for those that don't know what we're talking about, um, Jackie McMullen pushed an article at the end of the week last week saying that the NBA is in, quote, deep discussions on a second bubble in Chicago for the eight teams that were not invited to play in Florida, enabling them to participate in many training camps and subsequent games against other clubs with a target date of September there's a couple things they have that are problems with that. One is the idea of a mini training camp. Like we're talking about how injuries will be more prevalent in Orlando because of the lack of preparation for the playoffs and things like that. So of course the natural thing would be to give the guys in Chicago less time to prep. Like that makes no sense to me. The idea that these guys are even at all going out and competing in September as opposed to spending the month of August is just for TV dollars because there's no way that we need to figure out who the worst teams are a month after the playoffs have started. Like, this doesn't seem to make any sense on any front to me. I also, it doesn't have any indication as to what this is being done for, except for TV dollars. It's starting suspiciously late in the playoff picture to where you're probably not going to have a playoff game on TV every day. So just going to do this so they have something else to put on TV on the other days. I, I just, I don't see why. There's eight teams not going, and six of them are in the Eastern Conference. So I, I guess that that's a way to get Eastern Conference markets their you know fans to be able to watch or, or something. But my argument to that is just don't suck. You should have there was a big window. Of teams <laughs> a, a bunch of teams were able and eligible to go to Orlando. They made it a within four games of the eight seed spot, um, which let probably too many teams go. Like we could sit here and argue about should Phoenix and Washington really be going right. The idea that there are teams that are not going to Orlando that somehow deserve or have earned the idea to play out an extra tournament here just seems ludicrous to me. It's it, it's the expense of player safety on the court to go watch these games. But I'd also argue that, you know, the NBA, as much money as it makes and as much, you know, revenue as it generates, and I don't think we're even, like, necessarily looking into how this makes money for not just the players and TV deals and so on. Like there are so many local markets that, you know, there will be sports bars and restaurants that are watching these games unless they're shut down for COVID, right? There'll be all of these different 
entities that are surviving around this. You know, we're sitting here recording for a podcast network that talks sports all the time. Content would be great. I don't I don't mean that. I just <laughs> I don't think the NBA is an essential business. Like, like at the end of the day, it is not essential that all thirty teams that any team, much less all thirty teams, be playing. As you're seeing with the National Women's Soccer League in Orlando, like bubbles get penetrated by this virus and it it's not an if it's a when someone gets sick in the nba while in the bubble you know aside from the people that have already tested positive i just i don't see why do that why are we going to do that to another eight teams worth of players it just seems silly to me absolutely and let me just say for anyone who knows parker ainsworth for him to like so readily say that the nba is not an essential business like to us it is essential like if it's all we'll watch it but the reality is is that it's not and so you start thinking about the risks that are involved with the teams that are already going to the bubble. Now we're going to do this with eight more teams in a city that we can look up the statistics. Just Google COVID in Chicago. Google COVID in Orlando. It's not like Chicago is significantly better in terms of uh, COVID and the management of the disease. So like now you're going to put these players in this other place where potentially they can contract COVID. It feels like there's no rationale as to why this should happen, right? And what I always tell my kids in my history classes is, if you don't understand, <laughs> it's because of money. Just follow the money. And as you pointed out, Parker, they're just going to put these on the off days from the playoff games. And there are people who are going to watch. But here's what the NBA hopefully understands. We're already seeing with the bubble city in Orlando, not everybody's down for that. Not everybody's going. You think? <laughs> you think? That these eight teams, that they're not playing for anything, that all those guys are going to go? If I am Atlanta, I'm tying Trey Young to a chair, locking the chair in a room, and then putting security around his house 24-7 to make sure the man don't leave. He ain't getting on a plane to go to Chicago to get COVID. You must be out your mind. Like, we have too much invested in his success to potentially allow him to go into this bubble. And what's the NBA going to do? Is the NBA going to force teams to send their guys? Like, don't get me wrong. I mean, the Knicks don't have anybody. But if they did, I wouldn't want them to send them to Chicago for this. <laughs> like, so what do you You can't tell teams and tell players that they have to go. Because if they don't have to go in Orlando, you're not going to tell them they have to go to Chicago. So when a bunch right. of guys don't go, you're going to be essentially up a creek. And what we've already seen is that we've got close to 30 players who, through this testing process, is coming out have been diagnosed with COVID. So now we're going to potentially put at risk these other eight teams and their players, right? Because you're going to test them. You're going to find out some of them have COVID. Now you're going to put them together. And like you said, it's an if not a win in these bubble scenarios. It just feels crazy to me to do this. Except for two reasons. One actually is the money. There's a bigger pool of money, I would imagine, if you got more games. And so the bigger pool of money means more money goes into the player's pot when you start divvying out what we're going to do with the uh, the money in this shortened season. And so while LeBron doesn't need another check, we have to remember that there's a 15th guy on the bench, and he's going to do this for two years. And as much money as he can make in those two years, he's going to be able to jumpstart his life based on the dollars that have come in, right? And so I do understand that. I also understand teams that aren't in Orlando 
wanting to find a real legitimate vehicle to make sure that their young players develop. Because essentially what's happening is, like, we can look at the Lakers and the Bucks, and, and you're right. Those teams don't suck, and these other teams do. But damn it, you let Phoenix in. So now Phoenix gets this several months of development. Sacramento gets it. Washington gets it. And the Knicks don't. The Bulls don't. Minnesota doesn't. These teams are saying, give us an opportunity to make sure that our young players can develop in a competitive scenario as well. And the NBA's answer to everything, apparently, is a bubble. So now let's do a bubble here. We got the bubble here. Let's do the bubble here. And we'll do the bubble here later. So we'll figure out all the things that are wrong with this bubble, and we'll make it right in this bubble. And, okay, I understand that that reasoning. Uh, it's still a D, again, because this things will go wrong. And Chicago is not Orlando. or It's not Disney. So... I don't know how I imagine that they're going to use the Bulls facilities and they're going to have to figure out a way to basically do everything there. I don't I've been on that uh, campus in Chicago for the Bulls. Uh, It's not it's not Disney. I don't know how they're going to house all the players and figure all those logistical pieces out. Uh, It's going to be a nightmare. And to say in the name of player development, we're going to do this. I don't know how they're going to figure it out. Even then, it becomes a glorified G League tournament because. The best player, so like Trey Young in Atlanta, right? Atlanta only has won twenty games thus far, and so they're theoretically their season's over unless this bubble happens. And you know, Carl Anthony Towns isn't going. Like, I don't even know. I'm wondering if, like, do you think do you think Chicago will let Zach Levine and Colby White play in this thing? That's what I'm getting at, though. Is like you're gonna have it from two sides. You're gonna have the teams tell the more established stars not to go because of COVID concerns and because of jumping into playing too quickly concerns. Because we also know that this is happening in September, right? And it may last until October. Yeah, yeah. And, like, the new season's going to start in late December or January, right? So, like, like a major injury is going to throw off next season, right? So you're going to get hurt in this tournament for what? And that's not even talking about COVID concerns and health, right? Yeah, imagine um, if you so- are a potential free agent and now – you're like, get invited to this thing. You're like, let me get this straight. So you are going to put at risk my potential free agency and my whole next season for something that we're already losers and we've already established that we're losers and I'm supposed to do that. Like, if you're a dude like Tristan Thompson, you like you can't put up both middle fingers fast enough. <laughs> like, so I'm not doing it. it. So I'm not doing you it. you got the free agency side of it. You've got teams wanting their, you know, mid-20-year-old aspects to not go. You've got players generally like not even necessarily free agent players like a Trey Young's not gonna be a free agent next year but he's on that rookie contract he's got a big one coming you know like he, he does, he's not gonna <laughs> want to leave uh, lots of reasons not to go and so then you're like well we can incentivize it by saying you know you give the tournament and the number one pick right the number one picks comes out of it so you're either saying what happens there is that like Golden State shows up with a Steph Curry and a Clay Thompson and just mercs everyone like then they like they're already supposed to get the number one overall pick, and I get that, but like, what fun is that? Like that that that's no that's not fun at all. If you think that Golden State is sending Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, not, yeah, but they're not yeah, even gonna do saying, that. Yeah. It's it's not even G League. It's gonna be summer league. That's what it's right. gonna be. That's worse. <laughs> right. And so what's gonna happen is then it's like either that either teams have to send guys, which just makes sense, and that kind of a thing happens where the Golden State is like, okay, then we obliterate everyone, or you're gonna ask them like fringe guys that like you know not necessarily the 15th guy that needs the dollars like you're saying i'm talking like the 8 9 10th guy on a chicago or the 8 9 10th guy on a detroit or yeah frank tilakina right 
So those guys are going to then go compete in a tournament and risk their health. And the end prize is we get the number one pick to replace your ass. No, there's no way. Like that's not that's not gonna fly. That's like no one's gonna the financially stable players, and by stable I mean like will have a job for the next year or two at least, are not gonna sign off on this. There's no reason for them to be playing in Chicago. The more that you talk about this, the more stupid this sounds. Like, think about this. I'm a free agent. You want me to go play in this deal for this team that I'm probably not even going to be playing for next year so that that team could get the number one pick. Like, well, you must be out your damn mind. <laughs> as to how silly this is in Chicago, Portland is very, very capable of taking the eight seed in the NBA playoffs. We've seen what Dame Lillard can do in a playoff series if they just get a shot, right? Dame Lillard and several Blazers have been like, I don't know if playing is worth it. In Orlando, when they have a chance at the real title. Like, I, why is anyone going to think this is worth it? I mean, there are guys who I don't think anyone would question that if Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving played, that Brooklyn would have a legitimate shot, not just at the East, but at a championship. And them dudes are like, yeah, no, we're not doing it. And now, like, Spencer Dinwiddie's not sure he's going to go. Uh, DeAndre Jordan already said he's not going. Like, these bottom teams in Orlando, where there's actually a championship at stake, those guys aren't going. I think Bradley Beal said that he's not going. So, like, I don't know what the rationale is going to be. Like, how you, if you can't convince those guys that a championship is worth doing this, I don't know how you're convincing the best play. Like, Carl Anthony Towns is not doing this. His mother died from COVID. I'm telling you, he's not going to Chicago. You can forget it. Like, I'm even envisioning, like, if you're Cleveland and you got Colin Sexton, I mean, that dude looks like an absolute stud. You're going to go send him so that he could potentially get injured or get COVID? I mean, come on, guys. Well, then, if this just becomes a G League tournament, I'd almost double down and say... Summer League. It's not even going to be G League. <laughs> it's so, going to be Summer League. What I'm saying, though, is, is like, are the top teams going to... I mean... The top teams, some of them are the top teams because they run pretty strong organizations that have good top-to-bottom management and invest a lot in their summer league and G League rosters and presence. So they don't get the benefit of that because they didn't suck last season. Like, like, I, that's just, like it doesn't make any sense. Like, I, I just, I, I just don't see why this was even, why this was even discussed. I understand why Jackie McMillan reported it, right? She, her job is to talk about what the NBA is talking about and what they're doing. I just don't understand why this is what they're talking about or doing. If we don't understand why it's happening. It's the money. That's why. (laughs) Okay, Mr. Cummings, our last thesis this week is about the NFL, another sport that's about to start up. Um, The NFL's cancellation of the Hall of Fame game and other preseason games signals that the 2020 NFL season is in trouble. I'm going to go C+. Like, I want to leave some room that there's potential that that's actually the case. Uh, But C+, is kind of middle of the road so that's what i'm feeling what are you thinking so i'm thinking also and you know a c plus ish b minus ish range somewhere in the middle there to me um but i i think my reasoning is everything part of this because i my like the way the thesis is phrased more so than anything about potential troubles all right mr cummings you gave the thesis a c plus what made you think it's eligible Again, whenever we kind of go into this middle of the road, it's like, okay, I can see both sides, right? So let's start with why we need to understand that there's a potential that the 2020 season is in trouble. So I'm going to start with that first. Number one, they're canceling games now. 
Like, you could say it's preseason, you could say the Hall of Fame, whatever. The Hall of Fame ceremonies for 2020 have been canceled. Not postponed, canceled. And therefore, as a part of that, they went ahead and canceled the games. And there are other preseason games that have been canceled. The NFL has been the one league that has been consistent in saying, we're doing this. We're doing everything the way that we've always done it. We did a podcast about potentially moving the draft, and they're like, nope. Draft is staying where it is. And then they just went ahead and they adjusted. And I think that they actually did an incredible job of the virtual draft. Free agency? Man, it's so close to all these leagues closing. Maybe they should move it. Nope. They went through free agency. The off-season activities? Nope. We're still doing those. We're just doing virtually. This is the one league that hasn't moved anything. And now this close to the 2020 season, they're moving stuff? Okay, that is scary as heck. That means that the NFL is now starting to do the analysis and they're starting to say there's a potential that 2020 is not going to look anything like what we anticipated it would look like. It almost feels like what I believe was the tenor from a lot of Americans back in March and April. If we just wait this thing out, it's going to go away. And the NFL kind of, yeah, that sounds good to us. Let's wait this thing out. It'll go away because there's billions of dollars at stake for us. And now they've waited it out, and we're in July, <laughs> and numbers are rising in multiple states across the U.S. And the NFL's like, okay, now we got to take this thing seriously, because before, we were eight months away from a season. And now, the season's like around the corner. We would have players at training camps now. We would be getting ready to look for the preseason games at the beginning of August and the July time frame. This close to the season, things are starting to get shifted. It makes it feel like 2020, it's not going to necessarily happen the way that the NFL anticipated or the way that we anticipated as fans. So that's the thing that jumps out to me right away for it to be this close to the season. The season is potentially in trouble. So I, I agree on a lot of fronts. I think the NFL has benefited completely from just like literally when this hit in the year. Like... The Super Bowl was played, and then a couple weeks later, we're talking about it hitting U.S. soil. And, like, there was even articles put out because of, like, you know, not knowing much about the virus and not knowing how it had come to U.S. soil, like, that Kansas City won versus San Francisco winning might have actually negated some cases because of the population density in San Fran for a potential championship parade, right? Like, like it was really that well-timed for the NFL to wrap up, and then the virus hits. And now that their season's about to start again... They're already at the point where, like you're saying, they're very literally canceling games. And for those of you that are like, oh, but they're preseason games or whatever, or think that Shock is full of it because he's like, they're games, but they're not really count for anything. I mean, I am full of it, but continue. <laughs> <laughs> the Those are money-making ventures. They don't put those things on TV for nothing. Like, There's a reason that the NFL owners want that many preseason games because most players and coaches don't feel like they need that many preseason games, right? Um, they want a couple maybe to see some of the young, new, whatever, but they, they really don't need a lot. It's more for us to watch the rookies trot out in the jerseys for the first time, right? It's not it's not about them. Um, and, and just so that folks understand the dollars and cents, the salaries that are paid to players for the preseason games, it's all the same, regardless of whether you're J.J. Watt or you're the 75th guy. But the television revenue... And the stadium revenue in terms of what you pay for for the tickets don't change from the regular season. If you buy a season ticket package for your NFL team, the preseason games are on there. you got to pay for them just like you pay for game eight. And the television revenue is divided so that the 
Preseason games can actually be streamed out via local markets, but that's all a part of the package that NBC, that ESPN, that CBS, and that Fox all pay for. They have to do those preseason games. Right, and they pay for all those the companies do because they want that intriguing quarterback matchup that, like, ooh, what are they going to go with the quarterback here? They, they want the footage from that to be with their brand. And so, like, there is a lot of money circulating those. So canceling those is not a you know, poo-pooing on nothing, something that doesn't matter. I also think it's indicative that we're looking at, you know, this is supposed to be the first year we're looking at 17 potential games, right? We're talking about, like, how we're going to add games, and the NFL is also now taking away preseason games, and that doesn't seem to mesh very well to me. Typically, you got rookies showing up July 21st, veterans showing up, late, like, about a week later, and preseason camps start rolling. They've typically already had OTAs in person, and lots of meetings and stuff like that to this point. All of that to this point has not happened unless it happened virtually. Or unless you know Tom Brady personally, apparently. And <laughs> moving forward, it looks like they're saying, you know, there's an article that came out, came out this morning, came out and said the Packers management talking about how they really are looking like time is not going to be on their side. Like, they're not going to be able to get their rookies safely to Wisconsin or to if, wherever you want to travel to do your preseason stuff by July 21st because they're going to have to quarantine for a couple weeks and they're still going to have to make sure the guys are safe before they travel and there's so many players. So it looks like this is finally coming to a head in football and while that, you know, maybe that may, it's a good thing because the country starts to take it seriously because it's hitting football instead of other sports, it, it really is about to start slowing down that process because we're a few weeks out and we know that getting ready to go play as you're seeing in folks heading to NBA and w NWSL and Major League Baseball all people going to bubbles that just going to their teams takes time the NFL is also not a sport that is functioning with any kind of a bubble system it is also not a sport that has rosters of like 10 to 15 it has rosters of or 53 man roster and they're looking at the preseason level to cut down from closer to 100 down to 53-man rosters, right? These are large meetings of people. And there are a lot of people between coaching staffs, training staffs, weight staffs, players, etc., all together the whole time. Uh, these are real problems that because of where the country is with COVID, the NFL is facing. And they could shut the entire country down tomorrow based on what we know about this disease, numbers will go up for up to two weeks after that because you show symptoms so much later, right? And so you could, today we're recording this on July 5th, or July 6th, I'm sorry. If you shut the country down tomorrow, July 7th, you're waiting two weeks to before numbers potentially go down, and that's July 21st, which is when rookies are supposed to start showing up. You're really, really, really running into these issues in some ways for the first time as the NFL. And when you want to talk about sports and money, there is not a sport with more money <laughs> than the NFL. So this is really about to be a problem. And when you consider that the NFL has had the opportunity to actually let these other sports start and then kind of see how things are going to go, like they could have waited. I mean, maybe with the Hall of Fame game and the preseason games, they had to cancel those, but they could have waited to uh, announce some of those things and seeing how the first week of the Bubble City went or see how the first week of baseball went, what I think happened with the NFL is that they just looked at college football and they started analyzing how when those players were getting together in weight rooms, there were too many cases. 
LSU and the way that they had to isolate their players. What was happening? Boise State shut down. They brought the players in. They were like, this is not worth it. And then Boise State shut it down. They said, we're not doing this. And I think the NFL looked at like those scenarios and were like, those things look a lot more like what it's going to look like for us. And now we're starting to cancel stuff. Clemson's got 30-something players testing positive just from summer weightlifting workouts that are socially distant. Like, this is rapidly spreading amongst large groups of people like that. And that not even every Clemson football player was on campus for these workouts. Like, anyway, it, it's, a, it's a lot. And there's a lot for the NFL to work out, and it's looking more and more like they haven't really worked it out. The, the piece that makes me think, okay, 2020, it's going to happen the way that we anticipate that it should happen for the NFL is actually the NFL's staunchness at the beginning of all of this with we're going to do this the way that we've always done it. And the fact that they've had that mindset makes me think that unless something crazy happens, we're not going to get to a point where we're saying no football in 2020. Could we get to a point where there's a shortened season of some level? Because maybe they say, okay, we're going to use September to play preseason games, and then we're going to do a 12-game season the next three months. We maybe could get to something like that. Could we get to the point where the NFL is looking at bubbles? We could maybe get to something like that. So that's again the reason I gave it a you know more like a B minus instead of an A plus is because I there's just there's so much money at stake and the NFL has made it very clear that that's what's important to them right absolutely like, and everything the NFL has ever done the dollar is what drives all of their decision making you can talk about safety in the NFL and this thing that thing from like big collisions and safeties coming down on drilling crossing routes and stuff like that but the real reason those things got like let go. And like, well, you can't do those kinds of hits anymore is because they take away touchdowns and touchdowns sell. Like they're not, the NFL has always been around the dollar and that's always been their first and frontal lobe issue, right? It's been how much money can we make off of this thing? And they've done a very good job. They made a lot of money off of it. The way that that mindset corresponds with COVID may lead to some safety issues, but I don't think that they've given any indication that they care. And so while canceling preseason games gives me pause, I don't know that it necessarily gives a lot of them pause. Was it a Freudian slip that you called it a frontal lobe issue and we're talking about the NFL? Um, I digress. <laughs> anyway, um, you're right. I mean, the money at stake. And I mean, even going back kind of to brain stuff, like you talked about defenses having to change because of touchdowns being scored. What I would argue is that as much of a factor in that is that the NFL didn't want class action lawsuits in terms of the effects of all of these hits. So like we're taking them out of the game. Like we're not going to allow that to happen going forward because that's money that we could potentially lose. And the NFL, again, multi-billions of dollars. They have to find a way to generate some of this revenue. Like the NFL ownership groups aren't going to allow that money to just go away. They're going to find a way. That's why, like when I look at this, even with the preseason cancellations, I can see the NFL saying, we're not going to play football in August, but we're going to roll out something in September so that way we can actually get our bubble situation together, create four different bubble scenarios, and just say the NFL teams are going to play in these bubbles, and you're going to play four games over you know two days or something to that effect, like actually creating a Sunday-Monday schedule where you get two games on Sunday in the bubble, then two games on Monday in the bubble, and just say, this is what we're going to do because this is what oh, we have to do, do in order to get games in. 
And you could stagger it where the NFC East plays Sunday, Monday, and they get their round of games, and then the AFC East plays Tuesday, Wednesday, and you could even stagger and take up every night if you wanted to. I don't, they'll find some creative way to make money on it. The NFL has shown that. They'll, they'll figure out some way to have hub cities for an entire division, and then maybe you just play division games, and then we do some more elab elaborate or elongated playoff bracket to get more games out of it. But the NFL is too money-focused for me to think this means there won't be football, uh, for better or worse. I don't mean to act like that's a positive thing necessarily. but Friends, that is another edition of F in Sports. Three awesome thesis statements, lots of great discussion, worthy debate, Maybe you should get on Twitter and yell at us a little bit about our takes. Parker, <laughs> where can they yell at you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter and yell at me about my takes or about our mascot names or about whatever uh, at Painsworth512. That's at P-A-I-N-S-W-O-R-T-H-5-1-2. All one word on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I also respond to our F and Sports Twitter page fairly regularly. Uh, you can find my tweets with a dash PA or Shaka's tweets with a dash CC. And our FN Sports Twitter page is at FN Sports, the number two, F-I-N-S-P-O-R-T-S, the number two, all one word on Twitter. Uh, we also have an Instagram, Shaka. Absolutely. You can find us on Instagram at F underscore N underscore sports. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Shaka Cummings at C-H-A-K-A. C-U-M-M-I-N-G-S. And I am sure that that whole Caucasian colonist crack will go over swimmingly on Twitter. Um, thank you guys for listening. Please make sure that you like, subscribe, share, rate, review. Do all those wonderful things to help out the podcast. And please remember, when it comes to sports, don't flunk with us. Later, guys. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.